Shalom, dear brothers and sisters. We are going to continue together with the study of the second letter that the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And we have arrived to the sixth chapter. So if you have your Bibles with you, will you please open your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I will read the whole chapter, 18 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthians, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he says, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labor, in watchings, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of, of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our hearts is enlarged, ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, for the recompense of the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequal yoke together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what uh, concord has Christ, Messiah, Mashiach, with Blial? And what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive 
you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And I will stop here, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, with this sixth chapter of Second Corinthians. This amazing, beautiful, very important letter that Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. And as we remember, beloved brothers and sisters, he that is the Apostle Paul was very much in a need of comfort and very much in a need of encouragement and very much in a need of a leaning on the Lord hard because of the way whereby the Corinthian believers treated him. He is the one that established the local assembly at Corinth. He is the one that that loved them so much and served them so much, and yet uh, all that which he is instructing them, we could see in the first letter that he wrote to them, their spiritual state was very, very far away from that which God had intended. And yet he wrote to them in between First and Second Corinthians another severe letter which he wrote, and then he wrote them the second epistle which we are studying right now that is recorded for us in God's Word. And he was longing to be comforted by the Lord because of the behavior of the Corinthians. And now he's opening his heart to the Corinthian believers. And if you remember, we begin in Second Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Verse 5, For as a sufferings of Christ abounded in us, so our consolation, our comfort also abounded by Christ, by the Messiah. And how wonderful the Apostle Paul was comforted by God, by the Father of mercies, by the God of all comfort, who comforted the Apostle Paul and all those that were with him in all their tribulation. And the same God also comforts you and I, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, as we experience sometimes in our lives some trials and tribulation. Because after all, we live here in this world. Although we are redeemed, we are saved, we are part of the ecclesia, the called out ones, yet we know very well that the sin nature is... Uh, within us and the struggles that we go on here in this world, opposition from within, opposition from without, uh, disappointment from within, disappointment from without. But when we look at the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and we look up by faith and trust God, God is the Abba, the Father of all, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And here we have arrived to the sixth chapter. And in the sixth chapter, beloved brothers and sisters, after the apostle concluded with chapter 5 and spoke about the motive for the ministry, the believers have a motive for ministry, and the motive for a ministry come out of the purpose that God has given to us. Well, chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, we have a future hope. 
Uh, chapter 5, verses 9 to 13, we have the fear of the Lord which motivates us to minister. And then chapter 5, verses 14 to 17, we have the love of Christ, the love of the Mashiach, motivate us in our hearts. And we have the commission of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, verses 18 to 21 in chapter 5, to motivate us to serve the Lord here in this world. And that's what motivated Shaul Paul in his life to serve the Lord and to continue on with the ministry that the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the glorified Messiah, gave the apostle Shaul Paul to do. And so now when we have arrived, the sixth chapter, really sixth and even the seventh chapter together, there we read, Paul is explaining his service, his ministry to the believers at Corinth. And it is a love ministry. It is really a love ministry. It was a ministry that is a, a triumphant ministry, a ministry that will triumph, a ministry that is glorious, a ministry that is sincere, and a ministry that is indeed a ministry or faith ministry. This is what we have covered so far in chapter 1 and chapter 2, a triumphant ministry. Chapter 3, a glorious ministry. Chapter 4, a sincere ministry. Chapter 5, a faith, a believing ministry, trusting God. And he is the one that encouraged the Apostle Paul to serve in the gospel of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Now in chapter 6, Paul is appealing to, to the Corinthians in this sixth chapter. And I want you to notice that he is appealing to the Corinthians to appreciate that ministry that the Lord have raised him and the Lord have raised here in this world the ministry of serving God's people, serving the saints of God. It is not always easy uh, for many reasons. One of the main reasons is because of our own sin nature. The flesh is, uh, is so selfish by nature, but the ministry among God's people is not always easy, and reaching out in a world to a lost world is a work, is a service uh, that the Lord called his servants to do. And so you notice in the first six verses of Second Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is appealing to, to the Corinthians for appreciation of the service of the ministry that he was called to. And notice he, he first of all, is presenting himself as an evangelist, as a, as a worker who called by God to serve Yes, an evangelist. So he says in verse 1 and 2, We then are as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Verse 2 now, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I aid thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation and he's of course quoting the hebrew uh, scriptures where isaiah was speaking by the word of the lord to the nation of israel and you notice this is so so beautiful beloved brothers and sisters because god is always 
wants to remind his people that he and them are working together. Notice he says in verse 1, for he says, we are then as workers together with him, with Christ, with the Messiah, we beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. In other words, we, the believers, Paul appealed to not to take God's grace for granted, to realize that he and those that serve with him, including even the Corinthians, are workers together with him, with God, with the Lord Jesus. And therefore he said to the Corinthians, verse 1, we beseech you that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. In other words, don't just carelessly receive the gospel and the grace of God and don't just receive it in vain or without finding value in that. And so he's appealing to them, beloved brothers and sisters. You remember what we read in a previous chapter, in chapter 5, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21, we read, And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, verse 20 of chapter 5, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. You notice, beloved brothers and sisters, the Lord Yeshua, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, became sin for us, or sin offering for you and I. Not for his own sins, but for our sins, for mankind's sins, for the Corinthian sin. He, this is Jesus, was made, God made him to be sin, to be sin sacrifice, sin offering for us. Why? Because we needed forgiveness. And because Jesus the Messiah knew no sin, by believing on him, we be made the righteousness of God in him. How wonderful to know that. And that's why in chapter 6 and verse 1, the apostle reminding the Corinthian, we then as workers together, verse 1, with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. So he's appealing to the Corinthians, not to take God's grace for granted, verse 1. And he's appealing to the Corinthians when he's saying, Behold, notice verse 2, For he saith, and now he's quoting, and it's so beautiful, I think it is very beautiful, how the apostle Shaul Paul always go back to the Hebrew Scriptures because everything that he is basing it upon, all the message of the promises of God and the gospel of the grace of God and the promises that the Messiah will come and the promise of forgiveness is based upon the written word of God and he's quoting the prophet Isaiah who by the mouth of the Lord said to the nation of Israel in chapter 49, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time, 
Have I heard thee in a day of salvation? Have I helped thee? And I will preserve thee to give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth and cause to inherit the desolate heritage. And you see, beloved brothers and sisters, very interesting because in chapter 49, specifically we see that the servant of Jehovah is being presented there, which is actually not only Israel as a nation is called to be the servant of Jehovah, the servant of the Lord, but here my servant is found in chapter 49 of Isaiah where the servant of the Lord is the Messiah himself he is the one that will came as a servant and uh, god called israel to respond to the servant of the lord in isaiah chapter 49 and here in chapter 6 the apostle paul is quoting isaiah 49 8 but applying it to the corinthian he says behold now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Again, he's uh, applying truths that were written in days of all in relationship to his earthly people of Israel and applying it to the believers today by quoting these verses and appealing to the Corinthians not only not to take God's grace which they receive for granted, but he's basing it upon the word of the Lord. God is appealing. God is appealing. Notice once again, we read in verse 8, Thus says the Lord, Isaiah 49, verse 8, In an acceptable time have I heard thee. Notice, he says, And in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee to give thee for a covenant to the people and to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritage. Now here is really God the Father is speaking to God the Son who is the servant of the Lord, who is really the true Israel, the servant Israel, the Messiah himself. He is being spoken to. He will be the one that will become a covenant of the people on the basis of the work of Christ, of the Messiah. The covenant for the nation of Israel will be established as Isaiah is speaking, but here in Second Corinthians chapter 6, he is applying it to the Corinthians. Corinthians realize that we are workers together, verses 1 and 2, with Him, with God, with Christ, and then God will be the one who will bless His people as they are following after Him, and therefore don't take God's grace for granted. Don't take it for granted. Accept it from the hand of the Lord and be serious and appreciative of what the Lord has done for you. The Corinthians needed to search their hearts and to realize that they needed to change. You know, they were believers, they were saints. But saints who do not live in the light of their privileged blessings from the Lord. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, we read, Examine yourselves. 
whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves, knowing not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates eh, or disqualified. Now, again, beloved brothers and sisters, we are reminding ourselves that the Corinthians were saints, they were believers. Let me read it again. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. They were saints with all other believers in Achaia, and they belonged to the Lord. But you see, it is so true in each one of our lives. It is one thing to be a saint, to be set apart, to be a forgiven person, to be a child of God, but it is another thing to live out and to live up to the standard that God has called us to live. And that is where we fail. The Corinthian did, you do, I do, God's people do in every generation. Israel failed to live up to the standard that God has called them as a nation. The church has failed to live up to God's standard that he has expected from his own people. But nevertheless, God is still desiring the appeal is still for appreciation of what God have done for us. And so, we are back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, now verses 3 to 10. Paul set an example before the Corinthian. He does not want to offend anyone. He doesn't want to harm anyone. But he set an example in verses 3 to 10. And you notice what he said, Second Corinthians 6, verse 3, giving no offense in anything that a ministry be not blamed. In other words, Paul wanted the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of the Lord Jesus the Messiah, the ministry of reaching out with the message of the gospel, not to be hindered, not to give offense. Isn't it true, beloved brothers and sisters, at time, our behavior only show how Sadly, we fail a time from living up to what God has called us, and therefore the, the offense for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the ministry, is being there. And therefore, Paul says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Because people might say, well, <laughs> you call yourself a Christian, a Messiah, a Christ follower? Look at the way you behave. And it's very true. Many times, fingers can be pointed towards us, towards God's people, because of our own failure. That's why we need daily grace, daily the help of the Lord to search our hearts and to seek to live for the Lord. And when we sin, and sin rises a time in the life of God's people, we must uh, turn to the Lord if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul and also John and even Peter always instructing the people of God. First John 1 verse 9 tells us very clearly, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, this is the believers now, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now Paul does not want that the ministry will be blamed, 
by the behavior, by his behavior, by the Corinthian behavior, by your behavior, by my behavior. And so he's saying in verse 4 and 5, he's reminding the Corinthians of what he himself endured. Really, when you think about the apostle Shaul Paul, beloved brothers and sisters, how much sufferings he endured. We read in verse 4 and 5, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, notice, in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting. Notice this. The Apostle Paul is speaking of himself and he is speaking about the patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonment and tumults and labors and watching and fasting that he himself had experienced in his service for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So he's presenting in these verses 4 and 5 what he himself endured. That's why he said, in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God, and then he's giving to us this list, you know, much patience. Oh, brothers and sisters, how much patience we need the Lord to help us to have as we serve the Lord. Tribulation worketh patience. We read in the book of Romans. In other words, trials, problems in our life will help us to be developing patience. Then he continued in afflictions. He had to be afflicted in his ministry for the Lord Jesus the Messiah. He continued necessities to be in need, beloved brothers and sisters, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, and he continued labors and watching in and fasting. Can you imagine how the apostle Shaul Paul and those that walk with him and serve with him, they have endured much for the work of the Lord. This is something that is abnormal and unnatural for any one of us. We don't like to go through the afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments to go to prison for the sake of the gospel in tumults, in uprising, in labors, in watching, in fasting. You can just, beloved brothers and sisters, see what the Apostle Shaul Paul had to experience as he ministered the gospel to the world around him. In verses 6 and 7, Paul pointed to the tools that he used in his ministry. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the power of God that was given unto him. But notice what he's saying in verses 6 and 7. What kind of uh, tools, of uh, vessels he used, tools he used to the, for the ministry. Notice, pureness. He wanted to be pure in his life. No blame to, as, as the gospel is being presented. Knowledge, to know the word of God, to know the things of the Lord. A long suffering, you know, to, to suffer long. 
kindness as we minister in the Word of God, and then, of course, in the Holy Spirit. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit of God he ministered the Word of God. And, of course, in verse 6 at the end, by love unfeigned. Oh, beloved brothers and sisters, we can never underestimate the need for love in serving uh, the Lord. You remember we just read in our previous chapter, for the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ, verse 14 of chapter 5, constrain us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Notice that the love of the Messiah constrains us. So Paul says in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, when he's mentioning this list in verses 6 and 7, saying by, notice, by love and faith. Verse 7, by the word of truth, preach the word, the truth of the word of God, no more and no less. The sincere milk of the word, the word of God. By the power of God, if we preach the word, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God because only the Holy Spirit knows how to use God's Word. We share this uh, with others. And then he said, by the armor of righteousness. In other words, we sought to live a righteous life. The armor of righteousness, we have put the righteousness in our life as an armor. And then he continued on, on the right hand and on the left. Wherever we gone, whatever we did, we sought to do things righteously, to honor the Lord and to be a blessing to God's people. And so now that Paul presented the fact that he endured as he ministered the Word of God and that he used proper tools, that is the mannerizing, the behavior, the conduct in verses 6 and 7, now in our chapter 2 Corinthians 5, verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul points to the testimony that he bore for the person of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah himself. Notice I'm reading verses 8, 9, and 10. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet make many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. You notice what Paul is saying, beloved brothers and sisters here, in this is verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul pointed to the testimony that he bore to all around him. Paul was spoken against by those that were false teachers, and he was dishonored, and he was actually chastened. Beloved brothers and sisters, he was dishonored, chastened, and sorrowful. That's what he's saying. And that's why he's saying in verses 8, 9, and 10, how and what pointed to the testimony, and he pointed to the 
as he was sharing the word of God, Paul was spoken against by those who were false teachers. And notice what he said. We serve the Lord. We ministered by honor, and yet we have been dishonored. The Corinthians actually dishonored him by the behavior they behaved towards him. By evil report, with some gave an, an evil report against him, yet there was those who gave good report. As deceivers, they accused him as if he was deceiver and not truly from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And yet he says, we were all true as we came and shared the message with you and taught you the word of God. It was true indeed, the word of God. In verse 9, Paul was actually saying that he was chastened. Notice, as known as yet well I was unknown, as unknown, and yet well known. You knew me very well, but treated me as unknown. As dying, and behold, we are alive. In other words, you know, we are alive, we're serving the Lord, but we have experienced the chastening and the discipline and the opposition as we are dying, and yet we are alive, and we continue to, to minister the word. We were as dying as if we are not. Not there, and yet we did the work of the Lord. He continued in verse uh, 9 and 10, as chastened and not killed, as, and he continued as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. You notice that? Paul made many, many, many in Corinth rich spiritually, although he became poor and was poor as he was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He's Master, his Messiah. And notice he said at the end of verse 10, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Well, maybe outwardly, Paul saying to the Corinthians, we had nothing. But yet at the same time, we are possessing all things. And why possessing all things? Because we know the Lord Jesus and we belong to him. And we are eternally saved. We will be with him forever. We will never separation from God. And therefore he says, Oh yes, we don't have nothing now, but we are possessing all things. Corinthians, he's saying to the Corinthians. In these verses, verses 1 to 10, we have, beloved brothers and sisters, a few major points. Number one, Paul presented himself as an evangelist, verses 1 and 2, and he presented himself as an example in verses 3, uh, all the way to verse uh, 10, beloved brothers and sisters. Well, now that he finished the first 10 verses here, in verses 11 to 18, he's appealing to the Corinthians for the need to live a separated life unto the Lord. And it is important to remember, to be separate does not mean to be isolated. To be separate does not mean that we cannot be with others, but to be separate means is to set apart our life for the Lord Jesus, the Messiah himself, to live a, the word is holy, in Hebrew, kadosh, simply means lekadesh, to be sanctified, to set ourselves apart for the Lord, to, to say, Lord, I want to live for you, I want to honor you in my life, and I want to give my life for you, O Lord. And the Lord is able to help his own people. 
Now from verse 11, beloved brothers and sisters, to verse 18, that is to the end of the chapter, the Apostle Paul will share with the Corinthians the need to live a separated life to the Lord. And so he continues now in verse 11 onward. The Corinthian, of course, had a divided heart, sadly. And the Corinthian, because they had a divided heart, he loved the Corinthian and he appealed to them not to have a divided heart from him and from the Lord. And that's why the Apostle Paul is emphasizing here the need for separation unto the Lord, not isolation. And Paul presents three arguments as to why the believer is called to be separated from and uh, from the world and its system and to be uh, separated unto uh, God. That is so interesting. So notice he began in verses 11, 12, and 13. Paul appeals to uh, the Corinthians for enlargement of heart. Notice that I'm reading verses 11, 12, and 13. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not uh, straightening us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same I speak as unto my children, be also enlarged. So you notice this enlargement. What does it mean to enlarge the heart? You know, he's appealing that, you know, our hearts have so much, we might say, our heart is filled with so many things. But the apostle want the Corinthians that their heart will be enlarged in relationship to their affection for God and their affection for God's people and God's servants. And so he's saying, notice he began in verse 11, he's saying to the Corinthians, Oh, ye Corinthians, notice by saying, Oh, ye Corinthians, you can just imagine how his heart desiring his love for them. He says, Oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Our hearts and our mouth is open. We are for you. We love you. Our heart is enlarged towards you. We want so much to be with you, to enjoy together fellowship with the Lord, to have all that which hinder our relationship to be completely destroyed so we can have healthy spiritual relationship as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus the Messiah. And so he's saying, Oh, you Corinthian, our heart is enlarged. Our mouth is open unto you. What does that mean, our mouth is open unto you? Well, we want to speak with you. We want to say good things about you. We want to encourage you. We want to bless you. Using our mouth out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our heart is open. It's open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. It's enlarged unto you, Corinthians, he says in verse 11. Then he says, ye are not satisfied in us. Ye are not, and I'm repeating this, ye are not straightening us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. And that expression for straighten, uh, beloved brothers and sisters, is come from another word, restricted. He says, you know, 
ye are not straightened or ye are not restricted by us. We do not restrict you, but ye are restricted in your own affection and your own bowels towards us. In other words, what happened? We know it very well when there is a breakdown in relationship. So what happened, the hearts is no longer open and enlarged towards one another. And therefore there is restrictions. There is lack of love. There is lack of, of liberty and affection. And there is a withholding of heart uh, affection towards one another. And here Paul is saying to the Corinthians, in this very same verse 12 now, beloved brothers and sisters, he's saying to the Corinthians, so beautiful verse, he says, Notice Corinthians, ye are not restricted by us. No, no, no. But you are restricted by your own affections. You have withheld your love from us. What happened? Why did you do that? He's saying to the Corinthians in this verse, at 12, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 13, he continued and he said, Now for a recompense in the same. He's saying to them, I speak unto you, unto my children, be ye also in large. In other words, he reckoned and considered the Corinthians to be his children, his children in the faith. And that's why, beloved brothers and sisters, the apostle Paul is saying to them, in return for the same, he says, I speak as to children, you also be open. I speak as unto my children, be also enlarged. Our hearts enlarge towards you, enlarge your hearts towards us. Don't be restricted. Open your heart so we can speak and share and be a blessing one to another. Paul is saying to the Corinthians in verses 11 and 12 and 13, he is appealing for an enlargement of the heart from the Corinthians towards him. And then he continues now in verses 14, 15, and 16 to remind that all true believers have a new divine nature, their new creation. You remember we already read 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, in these next verses of Second Corinthians 6, Paul is saying in verse 14, not to be unequal yoke with unbelievers. And I'm reading verse 14. Be not unequal yoke together with unbelievers. Then he's telling them why. For what fellowship has the righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? You see, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul is challenging the Corinthians not to have an equal yoke with unbelievers. Why? Because this way they will not be able to be separated unto the Lord. This way, they will not be able to live a holy life, a sanctified life, a life for God. Why? Because unbelievers who lead God's people astray and away from the Lord is not helpful for those that belong to the Lord because they will only lead God's people away from the Lord. What is the responsibility of God's people to do is the opposite. 
God's people are called to lead others close to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But that's what happened in the condition of the Corinthians. And so he's reminding them that they are not to be unequal yoke with unbelievers because that will lead them astray. Now, that's of course, is exactly what God expected from his people Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we do read, When the Lord, verse 1, 2, and 3, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations, a, a greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, and thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither... Shall thou make marriage with them, thy daughter? Thou shalt not give to his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take for thy son. God said to his people of Israel, beloved brothers and sisters, that is in, if one is to be separated unto God, one need to live his life in close relationship with the Lord and not to have unequal yoke with unbelievers. That does not mean that one cannot reach out and minister to and share the word and encourage and help unbelievers. Of course we are called to do so. This is the responsibility of all believers. But instead of allowing to be led by unbelievers away from God, the child of God is called to lead those that are yet without Christ back to God, to the Lord, and set before them an example. Well, we continue now. Notice that. In verse 15, the Apostle Paul pointed to these. He says, what is reminding them? He says, what don't you know? And you notice, notice the word that he's saying. After reading in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, where he says that we are new creation, then in this sixth chapter, Paul is saying, be not unequal yoke together with unbelievers. And then he used the word what. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ, Mashiach, Messiah, with Belial? And what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And he continued now, and he's saying in verse 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So in verses 14, 15, and 16 of chapter 6 here of Second Corinthians, Paul presenting this question to the Corinthians. Five-fold question. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? He's asking the first question. Verse 14b, what communion has light with darkness? He continued to ask in verse 14. Now in verse 15, what concord has Christ, Messiah, with Belial? This was verse 15a, verse 15b. What part has he that believeth 
with an infidel, an unbeliever. And then in verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Then he's concluding by saying, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Of course, he's quoting God's promises to Israel. And again, to remind you, throughout the letters that Apostle Shaul Paul is writing to the believers of first century, whether it is the Romans or the Corinthians or the Galatians or Ephesians, Philippi, Colossians, all these letters are always pointing to the fact that he is challenging the believers of this present age were already challenges that were provided for Israel in days of old. And whenever Israel disobeyed God's challenges, Israel failed. And whenever believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today fail to submit to these challenges, they fail as well. And they stumble and go astray. And so the four what's, the fourfold question, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Bliar? What part has he that believeth he that believe not with the infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now notice in Second Corinthians chapter 6, and these verses that he's Speaking, what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of God. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. Here it is the collective aspects of the people of God. All the people of God together, collectively, are the temple of God. Collectively. But in First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, there he is speaking to the individual believer individually that his or her body of the believers are the temple of God. And so let me read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? We are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, belong to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, the temple is the body of each individual believer, where the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in each individual believer, and therefore his or her body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, he does not speak about the body, individual body of believers, but in the collective company of God's people, the ecclesia. The Spirit of God is the one that is dwelling within his own, God's own people, and they collectively are the temple of the living God. I'm reading Second Corinthians 6 and verse 16 where Paul said, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You Corinthians collectively, you are the temple of God. You should not have any idols in your midst. Verse 16, 
be for ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, and he is quoting what God said to Israel in days of old, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. How wonderful to see, beloved brothers and sisters. This is exactly what God is saying to you and I who are believers today in this present age of the church age. He's saying to us today, God is saying to you and I, I will dwell in them collectively, in the local assembly in Corinth, when they are functioning in the right way and pleasing the Lord, the presence of the Lord will be evident there. And I will walk in them. Notice in plural, in them, not only in you individually, but in them. I will be their God collectively, and they shall be my people. Now, of course, that is the verses that here are quoted from the prophet Isaiah, quoting about the days when God will restore again Israel back to himself, and God will dwell among his earthly people of Israel in a future day when Israel will finally be restored and he will dwell in the midst of the nation through the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, in a future day. But that is exactly what the Lord is sharing through the Apostle Paul with the Corinthian believers. How wonderful to see this. And you know, beloved brothers and sisters, oftentimes we don't realize that. As believers who belong to the Lord, many times we fail we fail in recognizing the presence of the Lord in the midst of the saints. And why we fail? Because we allow the flesh, we allow the world, we allow Satan to cause us to be in our hearts and our mind away from the Lord. And that's why we can sense the presence of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who have already said in Matthew 18 and verse 20, to the disciples, if you remember, before he had gone later on to the cross, he said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, he said, Verily I say unto them, and you remember in verse 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now God is present in the midst of the assembly by his Holy Spirit. But also God the Son, the Messiah, want to be in the midst of his own people when they honored him. God the Father, the whole triune God, desired to be in the midst of his own people. And how it is not evident when the people of God do not live in the in a sanctified life. That's why the five questions were given here. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What part has he, we he that believeth with he that believeth not? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? It just doesn't work together. Therefore, he says to them, Ye are the temple of the living God. And therefore, notice now as we jump to verse 17, the Apostle Paul again quoting the prophet Isaiah who spoke to Israel, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, 
you see, when it comes to Isaiah chapter 52, when he's quoting this verse in relationship to the people of Israel, he's speaking about the nation of Israel that he will ultimately gather in a future day from all the other nations of the world and he will separate them from all the other nations and he's calling them, come, come out from among them. Be separate. Don't live them like the nations of the world. And I will be to you as a father. And that's why you notice that in the conclusion of Second Corinthians chapter 6, And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my son and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let me just read to you, beloved brothers and sisters, Isaiah chapter 52. We read in verse 9, Break forth into joy, sing, Together ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. Notice that all the nations of the world and all the end of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, from all the nations and so on. Touch not the unclean thing, and go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean, so ye that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your reward. This is speaking in reference to Israel's future regeneration, and regathering back to the land and back to God and back to the Messiah, Jesus. But here the Apostle Paul applying this to the Corinthian believers and he is telling them in these verses 11 to 18, he's appealing for a separation, a godly life here in this world. You have to realize that you belong to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Paul is saying to the Corinthians. And therefore you cannot live like you live as it was described throughout the whole first letter to the Corinthians. Where there was this list, sad, sad list, beloved brothers and sisters, of the condition of the Corinthians. The sad list of uh, divisions among themselves, immorality among themselves, taking each other to court among themselves. Divorces among the local assembly, a lack of understanding their liberties, filing the Lord's table, abusing the gifts that God had given to them in a local assembly. Even some did not believe in the resurrection, the giving, and all that thing that happened in the Corinthians. The, the, the Apostle Paul wrote them these first letter, the second letter, and even other letters that are not recorded in the Word of God in order to correct the Corinthians. So, beloved brothers and sisters, we have a promise of blessing. If we follow the Lord, there is a promise of blessing. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul appeals for two things when he wrote to the Corinthians this chapter. Number 1, verses 1 to 10, Paul appealed for appreciation. 
that the Corinthian will appreciate the ministry that the Lord have raised him to share with them. It was a ministry of love and that they will appreciate the grace of God. And then the verses 11 to 18, Paul appealed for separation unto the Lord here in this world. Live a life that is honoring the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, because if you are not living a separated life unto the Lord, not a sectarian life, not a proud life, not an arrogant life, not a life that assuming that one is better than the unbelievers or even other believers, but a separated life unto the Lord. That's the desire that God has for His own people. May the Lord help us all, beloved brothers and sisters, as we walk here in this world. And God gave a promise. If you will come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, this is verse 17, and touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. Now, he's not so much receiving for salvation here, but to receive you into fellowship with you. That's the point that we are learning here in this verse 17. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, they, the Corinthians, were already positionally sons and daughters. But practically, they were not because of their behavior. They were not behavior as if they really were sons and daughters. They could not have fellowship with God. They cannot enjoy fellowship with the Lord. And really the thought that we have before us, how can two walk together except they agree? There have to be a submissiveness to the Lord in order for one to enjoy the fellowship with the Lord. And I'm just going to conclude with this verse in 1 John, where the Apostle John wrote, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is 1 John Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul quoting Isaiah 52, where he says, I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be a sons and daughters, saith the Lord of Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, may the Lord encourage us as we continue on to study together the second epistle to the Corinthians. God bless you. Until the next time, we say to you, Shalom, Shalom.